Well, if you joined us last Sunday, we had a fantastic time. It was Vision Sunday for us as a church, and I began to unpack for us the vision and the direction in which I sense God leading us as a church in 2022. And the title of the message and the title of this new series, which we're going to really dive into today, is Don't Stop Now. We're going to be looking at an Old Testament book, one of the last books in the Old Testament, and it is the book of Haggai. And we're going to begin this series today, and we'll be reading from Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1. This is what it says. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. A few weeks ago, my youngest brother, Nathaniel, he came home with a dartboard. He popped to the local market and picked up this dartboard. The reason he bought this dartboard was because over the Christmas holidays, me and him, we, we watched the darts on TV. We like all sports, me and all my brothers, we like all different sports. And we really got into the darts over Christmas and New Year. So he bought this dartboard that we could play together. And my dad, he set it up fair play to him in my brother's room, in Nat's room. And We've been playing all over these last few weeks, me, my dad, and my brothers. It's been, it's been great fun, to be fair. Now, I used to play darts a little bit. I'm not very good at it, but I used to play darts a little when I was a teenager as well. And so I had a little bit of a head start on my other two brothers. And my dad said he played in the past, but it doesn't tell. He's not very good. And so over the last few weeks, I've been having a lot of success. I don't want to brag, but I've been beating them nearly all of the times. But there was one day which I lost, and... It was a rough day, if I'm being honest. My head wasn't in it. I was feeling tired after work. My arm was aching. I just, I just wasn't up for playing. And, and my youngest brother, Nathaniel, he finally beat me. And he was over the moon with that. But, you know, as I was playing, I was moaning and I was grumbling. And then he said these words to me, which cut like a knife to my heart. He said, Luke, excuses, excuses, excuses. He said, just admit it. I'm better than you today. Now, it was a tough pill to swallow. My ego took a knock, but I had to admit that day that Nat was better than me. You know, I was making all these excuses, but he was just better than me on the day. And to be fair to him, he has won. And over the last few days, unfortunately, he has been winning a little bit more. But, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, all these excuses I was making, you know, excuses, they come easily to me. I don't know if they do to you, but they usually do come easy to most of us. We, we're always making excuses. I'm sure you've made many excuses in your life why you can't do something or why you couldn't do something. You know, we make excuses. I don't know about you, but I used to, in school, used to make excuses why I couldn't do my homework. You know, the dog had ate my homework, even though I never had a dog up until recent times. And, you know, we'd make all these excuses. You know, we make excuses now why we're late for work or why we don't want to go into work. We, we, you know, maybe put on that sick voice over the phone to say we can't go in, even though we just need a day off. We make excuses about why we haven't cleaned the house, why we haven't done the chores. We make excuses why we can't meet up with certain people. We make excuses why we can't exercise and go to the gym. We're just too busy. We've got a lot on. We're always making excuses, excuses to ourselves, excuses to one another. And, you know, it doesn't just stop there. We make excuses to our God as well. If you're a Christian, you know, I don't know if you've done it, but I've done it many times. I make excuses to God why I can't. And when I, why I can't do something. And, you know, as we come to this opening passage in the book of Haggai, this Old Testament book of Haggai, we see that the people of God, they were also making 
a lot of excuses as well. Just a, a bit of a recap from the introduction of our series last week about what had happened to the people of God up to this point. We see that the Israel, they had been conquered by Babylon, this great empire, and, and they had been destroyed because they had been disobedient to God and they'd stopped worshipping God. And, and the people of Judah, they said, that will never happen to us. You know, the, God's people split into two, uh, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. But Judah in the south said, that'll never happen to us, even though many prophets warned it would happen unless they changed their ways and began to live by uh, for God once again. And unfortunately, destruction did come to Jerusalem, the Holy Land. It came to the temple, Solomon's temple, and it also happened to the people of God. And they were led into captivity and exile uh, by the Babylonians. And they were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, just as the prophet Jeremiah said would happen. Then this book of Haggai, this prophecy from Haggai, this, this encouraging message from Haggai comes 70 years later. God had changed things. There was a new empire on the rise, the Persian Empire. And, and the king of Persia, King Cyrus, said that all these people who had been captured and in captivity by Babylon, they could now be set free. And, and God had moved his heart to allow this to happen. So, so the people of God, they go back to Judah, they go back to Jerusalem, and it's all in ruins. But they slowly begin to work on rebuilding the temple. That was the first thing that they did, led by Joshua, who was the high priest, and Zerubbabel, who was the governor. They felt called by God to rebuild the place of worship. And so 50,000 Jews go back. It was only a small number, but 50,000 of them go back, and they begin to, to work on the temple, rebuild the temple, and they started to rebuild the foundations. But as we seen last time, they, they met opposition there. Other people who had settled in the land had said that we don't want you rebuilding the temple of God. And so for 15 years, work on, on the temple came to a standstill. There was no work at all. Nobody did anything. And the people began to build up their own lives instead of building up the house of God and, and that place of worship. However, we see, you know, we see here that, that God wasn't finished with them. I'm so glad that our God is a faithful God. Whatever God starts, he completes. He's not a man that he should lie, as the Bible says. He is faithful to his word, faithful to his promises, faithful to his people. And we see here that God raises up this prophet. He gives this prophet Haggai a message to encourage the people of God to get back to work. He says to them, don't stop now. Let's finish rebuilding the temple. As we've already seen in Haggai 1 verse 1, which says on August 29th of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. But God said that the time had come to begin to work again on rebuilding the temple. However, there was a problem. And that problem was that the people of God didn't agree with this message. They didn't agree with God. Haggai 1 verse 2 says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. We see here that the people of God were making ex an excuse about why they couldn't rebuild the temple. They said their excuse was, it just wasn't the right time. Even though God had said it, they said it just wasn't the right time. Then Benjamin Franklin, he once said this. He said, I never knew a man who was good at making excuses, who was good at anything else. You know, the people of God here, they were making these excuses about why they shouldn't go back to rebuilding the temple. They said 
it wasn't the right time. Even though all the evidence pointed that it was the right time. It was clear for them to see that God wanted them to rebuild the temple. That is why they came out of captivity. You know, we see that God had moved the heart of King Cyrus to free the exiles and send them back to Judah for his purposes. Ezra 1 verse 1 to 3 says, In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put the proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. God moved the heart of an unbeliever, somebody who didn't believe in God. God moved him and said for the people of God to go back to Judah to rebuild the temple. Not only that, but God provided all the money, all the material for the people of God to rebuild this temple. He stirred the heart of King Cyrus to give all of this. Ezra chapter 1 verse 4 says, Whenever this Jewish remnant is found, let the neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. And we see about other things that King Cyrus gives to the people of God in Ezra chapter 1 verse 7 to 11. Not only that, God protected his people as they were led out of captivity from Babylon. He protected them all along that journey and protected them from being robbed of all of their possessions. It was evident that now indeed was the time for the people to rebuild the work on God's temple. However, God's people disagreed. They said it isn't time to rebuild the temple. But why? Why did God's people say it wasn't the right time? Why did they disagree with God? Well, God knows all things. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. And, and God gives Haggai this message. And this message that God gives Haggai gets right to the, cuts right to the problem. It gets right to the heart of the issue. And it begins to expose the hypocrisy and the unbelief of the people of God. Haggai 1 verse 3 to 4 says, Then the Lord sent his, this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxury houses while my house lies in ruins? The reason why the people of God said it was the wrong time to rebuild the temple, it was simply because their priorities had changed. They had a change of heart. That priority shift in their life was that God was no longer first, but that they were number one in their lives. They were more concerned with living for themselves building their own homes instead of building the house of God. Uh, they neglected the house of God and God's house remained in ruins. They'd become comfortable with, with living without God and they thought that they could live without God. The Bible says they built luxury homes. These were homes that, that were meant for royalty and kings, paneled houses, as it says in other translations of the Bible, while God's house lay in ruins. Can you imagine that? And, you know, unfortunately, the crazy thing was it didn't work out for them. By putting themselves first in their lives instead of putting God first in their lives, their lives actually weren't any better. They were left unsatisfied, unfulfilled. Their lives were hopeless because they had done this. There was a shift. Haggai 1 verse 5 to 11, the prophet goes on and says this. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but, not, but cannot keep warm. 
Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. And that's talking about inflation. Verse 7 says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills, into the hills. Bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hope for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruin, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. It's because of you that the heavens withheld the dew and the earth produces no crops. I've called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops. A drought to starve you and get your livestock and to ruin everything you worked so hard to get. We see that they weren't happy. They weren't satisfied because they had put themselves first and concentrated on their own lives and doing their own thing instead of putting God first. And you know, the sad truth is, is that it's the same issue today amongst the people of God. It's the same issue for you and me. All these years later, we are still making excuses when it comes to God and what God is calling us to do, what God asks us to do. You know, if I could have, if I had a pound for every time somebody made an excuse to me about why they can't serve, why they can't follow God, you know, I would be a millionaire. You know, I've viewed it all. I've only been pastor of this church, senior pastor of this church for five years this year. And I've viewed every excuse under the sun already. You know, we, we can't follow the Lord because, you know, I'm afraid what my family would say, what my friends would say. You know, I can't tell people about Jesus because I'm too shy and I don't really know what to say. I don't really know the Bible that well. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I can't share and tell people about Jesus. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I can't go to church today. I'm too tired. I've had a busy week in work. I'm too stressed. I've got a lot on. I just can't make it to church. I've got a lot on my plate right now. You know, I can't make it to church because of my family. I've got kids and, you know, it's just too chaotic. It's too much of a rush to get them to church in the morning. You know, I can't become a member of of your church right now because I'm just not ready to commit fully. You know, I'm still checking things out, even though these people have probably been here for about 20, 30 years. You know, I've I've viewed all of these types of excuses. You know, I can't serve in a ministry. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability or the skill. You know, maybe you've made this excuse, you know, I can't follow the Lord into ministry. I don't want to go into ministry because, you know, I don't want to at my age. I'm not the right age or it's not the right job for me. Oh, I don't fancy it. I don't like the hours. The pay isn't great. You know, I don't want to become a minister. You know, I don't want to to do that. You know, even as a church, we can make excuses. You know, we, we don't feel it's the right time to launch this ministry. You know, things are a little bit difficult right now. COVID's still going on. There's still restrictions. We can't do that, you know, or we can't implement this change in this church because we're afraid to, to offend these people who've been here all these years. You know, all these excuses we're constantly making. And, you know, I do want to just say right now is that I've made every single one of these excuses. Every one of these excuses are ones that I've made. And, you know, I believe God here is just making all these excuses and, I'm sure his words in heaven are excuses, excuses. Just like my brother Nat said to me when I was making excuses, playing darts. I'm sure God is like that when it comes to us serving God and putting God first within our lives. You know, I don't have time to read the Bible, don't have time to pray. You know, it's just not for me. We can make all of the excuses. And, you know, the real reason why we make all these excuses, if we're being honest, is simply because our priorities have changed. Our priorities have changed. We put self first instead of the Lord. If you don't believe me, just begin to listen to some of the worship songs that are being released right now. 
you know, we've stopped talking about God and worshiping God. It's all about me and what God does for me is, is a real shift. And I believe it's a dangerous shift that we have to watch out for. You know, I pray that our church will be, always be a church that always points people to Jesus, that is always has words glorifying Jesus. It doesn't matter about how old these songs are. It's all about Jesus and pointing people to Jesus. Or it doesn't matter how new or modern these songs are. We just want to point people to Jesus. But, you know, the real reason we make these excuses is because we put ourselves first instead of the Lord. And if we're being honest, it hasn't really worked. Look at the state of our lives. Look at the state of our church. Look at the state of our nation. You know, maybe you're watching this today and you know there's a void in your life. You're working, you're working, but you're never satisfied. You have all this money but, and you're buying all these things, but it never fills that gap within your life. You know, you, you've got all these different relationships, but none of them seem to complete you or fulfill that longing within your life. You know, you've done all these great adventures, but you're never, ever satisfied. That is because we're not putting God first because there is a void within each and every one of our lives that only God can fulfill. Only he can satisfy. And, you know, we need to put God first in our lives. And, you know, another outcome of us not putting God first in our lives and not putting God first with, even within the church is that we now see in a church that is on the fringes, a church that's becoming outdated, a church that's becoming irrelevant, a church that is lost out of touch with reaching people of today, a church that's become silent and afraid to speak out and stand up against the wrong and the lies that government is sharing and people are sharing within our society, a church that's afraid to stand up against the enemy and against darkness and against problems and a church that gives in easy, you know, a church that has stopped making an impact on the world. That's a result of us not putting God first within our lives. But as we come to a conclusion today, just as God challenged the people during Haggai's time, and just as Jesus and, and the John the Baptist and you know the apostles and the, the followers, the disciples of Jesus challenged the people of their time, I believe that God is challenging you and me today. I believe that God is challenging us from the youngest person to the oldest person to stop making excuses, to examine our hearts and lives and to put him first again. Jesus said these powerful words in Matthew 6 verse 33. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I wonder, do we live like that? Do we really live like that? Jesus went on to say in Matthew 22 verse 37 to 40, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on the, these two commandments. He's challenging us. I believe God is challenging you and me today. Like he challenged the people in Haggai's time. He's challenging us to put him first within our lives. To love God first. To put him first within our lives. Why? Because it really is the best way to live our lives. It's the best way. God says if we put him first, everything else in our lives will fall and fit into place. And there have been times in my life when I haven't done it and, you know, I have seen harm in my life. I have seen hurt in my life. I've, you know, been fit, felt, you know, lost and there's been a void within my life. And following Jesus, I can testify today to you, not just because I'm a pastor, but because number one, first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus, just like everybody else. And I can testify that when you put Jesus first in your life, everything else will fall into place. And You'll know his longing and his blessing within your life. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He has an amazing plan and purpose for your life. He has an amazing plan for our church. He wants us to make an impact on this world around us. He wants you to make an impact on this world around us. But that will only happen when we stop making excuses, when we examine our lives, and we put Jesus first within our lives. Now, next week, we're going to look at what happened when the people of God responded to this challenge. But 
You know, I wonder today as we come to an end of this message, how will you respond? Is God number one in your life or is he on the back burner? How will you respond? I want to encourage you today to put God first in your life. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to put him first in your life. Surrender your life to him today. You can know his blessing. You can know his provision. You can know his plan and purpose for your life. And I believe that as we put God first in our lives, we'd see God bless us in mighty ways. But more than that, the most important thing is that we know him in our lives. We know the spiritual blessings he has for us. We'll see his plans and purpose come to pass within the life of this church. We'll see him use us. We'll have an impact on the world around us. So I believe the challenge from the Lord to you and me today as we begin diving into this book, this book of Haggai is to put the Lord first within our lives. How will we respond? How will you respond today to this challenge?